This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on the Bigger Picture, and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Even three decades after his death, American artist Jean-Michel Basquiat's legacy in the contemporary art world continues to resonate thanks to his unique approach to art and the powerful themes of social justice. An Artemis Art Gallery is celebrating Basquiat by having two shows honouring his works and legacy. So the first, called Conversation with Basquiat, is on until the 12th of September. And joining me to tell us more is Jamal Al-Idris, curator and co-owner of Artemis Art Gallery. Thank you for joining me. Jamal. You're most welcome. So could you elaborate first on Jean-Michel Basquiat's legacy as an artist and specifically how it impacts the global contemporary art scene? One thing about Basquiat is that he lived at a time where there was a lot of um, there was a lot of flux in the New York um, scene. Um, it was a time of um, what some writers have called the cultural renaissance. Uh, it was at an intersection of um, a lot of things happening. Uh, for example, on a personal basis, he had personal interactions with uh, other icons of, of the time, like, for example, um, Andy Warhol, uh, Keith Haring, um, even rumoured to have dated Madonna. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at the same time, there was, um, you know, it was the nascent, um, stages of uh, street art and street culture at the time. Plus, what was happening in music, um, you may or may not have heard of the No Wave movement, mm. which is um, which was at its height at at the time. So all of these influences are what um, drove Bas- Basquiat, in a sense. Um, plus, his awareness of uh, history, society, reflecting all these on his um, own identity, um, all these different influences and experiences uh, were absorbed by him and uh, distilled, and then these became his artistic creations. But what is important is that a lot of the things that he was talking about in his art are still relevant today. For example, um, the disparity in class, um, racism, uh, just two of the examples, and and these are you know very relevant today. Mm. Now, uh, Basquiat would have been sixty this year, uh, so that's part of the reason why um, Artemis is uh, sort of picking this year to do this. But beyond this, you know, what what drove you to want to structure you know two shows around him this year, as well as um, his legacy, his works, and so on? Okay, um, that's an interesting question, and. Part of the reason is actually the pandemic that we are mm-hmm. <laughs> going through now. So the initial idea came about during um, the early stages of the MCO, uh, sometime in March, April. Um, and needless to say, it was a time of adversity for a lot of people, including everyone involved in the arts. So we were actually thinking about you know, how um, the, the kind of difficulties that artists would be facing, um, or even for galleries. Because uh, for us, as you may know, a lot of our activities happen outside of the country. We participate in quite a number of uh, art fairs. All of them, virtually, have been cancelled for this year. Um, And when it comes to exhibitions, because of the various lockdown in the various forms in in different countries, um, 
doing exhibitions would have been literally impossible. So we were thinking about all of this. And in the process, Basquiat's name came up. And if you look at his career, um, Basquiat would be like the epitome of overcoming adversity. He had all kinds, he was facing all kinds of adversity during his time. Right? His, his is the quintessential Rex the Richest story. So and also with that that tragic end as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I call it the rags to riches to burn out. Mm. So um, story of Basquiat. Um, so we came up with this idea during during that time, and we thought that this would be uh, a, a challenging exhibition to do at a challenge or challenging series of exhibitions to do at a challenging time. Uh, we were actually rushing for August, so. Because uh, August 12th is the date where he passed away. Um, and the second installment would be in December, which would be when he would have turned 60 if he had lived. So, yeah, so that, that's, that's basically the, the reasons for, for why this, this series of exhibitions um, came about. Mm. Now, you mentioned... Um sort of some of those larger themes that um, he worked with that do resonate with everyone, really. Um, you know, Basquiat was, however, you know, he was American, he was African-American. A lot of the work that he did was rooted in things like rap and uh, graffiti, um, you know, the street uh, culture, or the urban culture of um, the US. Um, do you see a local or regional relevance to revisiting his work now? Well, as a gallery, we try to, or we tend to not see art strictly from a localized or regional perspective. But all of those influences that you mentioned, these are influences that are truly global. Um, you know, if you look at street fashion, for example, um, you know, we have now in Malaysia itself a homegrown um, street fashion brand. So, and and this whole thing of street fashion and uh, street art, for example, came from the time of Bas Basquiat. So, as I said, we, we, we tend to not see it from a local or even regional standpoint. But I think one of the key points in about Basquiat's legacy is that, um, as you mentioned, the, the topics that he talks about uh, enduring, they are, they are relevant even today. Um, but beyond that, if, if we look at um, how, if we look at Basquiat's story from his, his rags to riches story, you'll find that he, his success as an artist involved a lot of different people in the art ecosystem. So it wasn't just him alone. For example, you had uh, Anina Nose. Uh, she's the uh, gallery owner art dealer who essentially let Basquiat use her basement as a, as a, as a studio. Um, and then you had the um, other galleries um, that followed. You had the, the curator during which um, Anina Nose discovered Basquiat in the first place. Um, peer artists um, of his time, uh, Warhol, Herring. Um, and of course, the patrons and collectors of his art. So in that respect, it's an example of how success of an artist is actually dependent on the success of the entire ecosystem. 
And that is something I think is, is very relevant because we could be doing better in that area locally or even regionally. Mm. Now, before we go on to talk about the artists that we'll be seeing, uh, we will be seeing in this particular exhibition. Uh, could you set up a little bit uh, for for those who may not be quite familiar? Could you describe what Basquiat's works are like? What is his style? I mean, broadly, you can kind of fit his work into neo expressionism, I guess. Correct. Yeah, yeah but um, you know, if if you were to explain his works to someone who's never seen them, they are. Uh like a, a, a mesh of figurative and abstract in that um, you do have figures, but they're figures drawn very, ex, uh, drawn and painted very expressively. You often had um, the internals of the figure shown outside. Mm. Um, that is um, perhaps due to the fact that um, as a child, he was gifted a copy of Grey's Anatomy, the book um, by his mom. Um, and, I've also seen like um, his works being described in the sense that he, he shows the innards of the human body outside as, in a way, dissecting history. Um, one of the quotes he's supposed to have said is that uh, history is like a cadaver that can be dissected and reconstructed, deconstructed and reconstructed to fit our own purpose. Um, so his, his figures are very raw. Uh, he used a lot of uh, very... Uh, striking color schemes in his, in his, in his works. Um, very uh, expressionist, very broad, very uh, wild and very vivid strokes. Mm. I, I think those would be some of the um, things that, of how I would describe Basquiat's work. And you can, you can see those um, graffiti influences, yeah? Correct, yes. Yeah. In fact, uh, he had his start um, as, as a graffiti artist. Mm, that's right. Um, so I was curious as to whether the artists that are presenting the works in this show, were they all given a brief and are they all presenting new works? Um, okay. Well, most of them are new works, um, but all of the works are from within the last, uh, at the most two years. Um, the brief that we gave them was quite simple. We, we asked, um, we... we communicated with a whole bunch of artists um, in these four different, in, in four different countries. Um, so the first thing we asked them was um, whether or not uh, Basquiat had any influence on their works. Um, some of the artists we knew beforehand that, that Basquiat's um, career and his body of works have been influential in theirs. So from then on, um, we would then ask them, you know, in, in what ways was, uh, has, has uh, the works of uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat been an influence in their own artistic practice? So it was a very simple, very loose brief um, given to them. So, yeah, so that, that, that's the essential basis of uh, how we selected these 15 artists. So the artists come from uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Taiwan. This project is actually a collaboration of four different parties in these four countries. Uh, from Indonesia, we have uh, Daddy Sufriadi, um, Swanjaya Kenchut, or whose full name is E. Putu Adi Swanjaya, <laughs> uh, Ranga Aputra, and Rizal Hassan. So those are the four from Indonesia. From Malaysia, we have Ajin Jukstar, uh, Bibi Chun, Reka Menon, and Shabandi Samad. From the Philippines, we have uh, Angelo Magno, Dennis Bato, 
Jamie Pachena the second and uh, Ronald Karengal and from Taiwan we have uh, Chang Chun Fang. Mm. So that's uh, 15 artists now. Um, I'm really curious as to how the artists have responded to Basquiat, the idea of Basquiat, his legacy. Um, could you describe some of the works that are being shown and how what the connection is to him? Sure. I think it's safe to say that different artists uh, connect with Basquiat in very, very different ways. Um, but I'll give you four examples. Um, so Ajim, for example, Ajim Juxta. He was. He had the opportunity to actually visit um, the Boom for Real exhibition that took place in 2017 while he was in residency in London. And how Basquiat resonated with Ajim was from the aspect of um, as a struggling artist, because uh, Ajim still sees himself as still trying to find, you know, uh, continuously trying to find his foothold in the art world, and that aspect. Um, of Basquiat really resonated with Ajin. The other artist that I would like to mention is Daddy Sufriadi, uh, for whom Basquiat has always played a major influence. Uh, we've known Daddy for quite some time, I think over, over 10 years now. Um, so for Daddy, is the elements of uh, boldness, um, the daringness to break with uh, conventions and art, um, the use of text and elements of graffiti. Um, all of these are very apparent in Daddy's work. So his would probably, I think of all the artists, I think visually, his would um, remind a lot of people of uh, Basquiat's art. And then you have uh, Chang Chung Fang, um, the only Taiwanese artist uh, involved in this, in the first exhibition. For her, it was actually learning about Basquiat helped in her own self-discovery. Uh, both as a person and as an artist. Um, it was through knowing about Basquiat and his artistic practice that she came to the realization that um, inspiration for art can be found in anywhere in, you know, in, in one's ordinary life. Um, prior to that, she was you know, really struggling to, to find subject matter for the art. And um, one of the more interesting pieces comes from uh, Dennis Bato from um, the Philippines. Um, he basically created a series of 10 small works where he created um, a fictitious conversation between himself and an imagined um, Jean-Michel Basquiat as a peer artist living in Manila. Ah, okay. And um, this is framed against... Uh, you know, life in um, a, a very urbanized context and um, how mental health plays into surviving in a very, um, in a very urbanized uh, environment. Um, but I think out of the 15, one of the most important realizations I think comes from um, another Filipino artist, uh, Ronald Karinga. Um, and he kind of wrote this, and, and I'm going to sort of uh, read off semi-verbatim from what Ronald mentioned. Ronald says that Basquiat was social media even before there was social media. <laughs> uh, an influencer before influencing became a thing. Um, he was pop art, literature, social consciousness, reckless, abandoned, and human history, all rolled into one. In crude, oftentimes chaotic, yet definitive set of lines, fiery colors, sheer ruthless intelligence. He was the adrenaline rush that the art world needed then 
and the type of artist the world needs now. Mm. So I think that's a very uh, powerful statement um, that sort of like underlines how important and influence uh, Basquiat has played. So having seen all the works now come together, um, what would you say is the value of having contemporary artists respond or, or, or engage so directly with um, an artist from a different time? Well, I think art is about response to um, one's experience. And in a way, um, responding to an artist from like what three, three decades ago um, makes the artist kind of like look at their own artistic practice and I think overall um, helps them to engage better with what they're seeing in the world around them today. Well, thank you so much, Jamal. You're most welcome. It was a pleasure. I've been speaking with Jamal Al-Idrus, who is the curator and co-owner of Artemis Art Gallery, about their current exhibition called Conversation with Basquiat. The show celebrates the legacy of American artist Jean-Michel Basquiat. The exhibition is on at the Artemis Art Gallery until the 12th of September. And for more information, you can look up Artemis Art KL on Facebook. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.